0: You shouldn't try to be helping people who don't need your help uh, or trying to sell products to people who don't want your products. Um, so that's really the first step and it's not the most exciting step. It's not a bunch of action stuff, but uh, is getting to know your customers, both the best ones and the worst ones so that you have basically a North Star to guide you uh, into all your creation of the campaigns.
1: Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners.
2: I'm your host, Chase Clymer.
1: And I'm your host, Annette Grant.
2: And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game.
1: If you're struggling to scale your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io connect to learn more.
2: And let's get on with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Honest E Commerce. I can't believe you guys are still listening to me ramble with my awesome guests. And today I have a fantastic one. Uh, today we welcome to the show Kristen LaFrance. She is the growth and community lead over at Churnbuster. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
2: Awesome, cool. So before we get into what Churnbuster is and all the awesome stuff that you're going to teach us today, How'd you end up there?
0: Yeah, so uh, before Turnbuster, I was actually working for a company called Cells, which is uh, another e-commerce platform similar to Shopify. Um I was there for about two years, and I kind of came in as social media manager and left as the uh, head of all content. So that was kind of my journey there. And through that, I learned so much about uh, entrepreneurs and e-commerce and businesses uh, trying to grow in the digital space. and it was just a really fun place to be. Um, so then, when Turnbuster reached out, and you know they were like, "Hey, you want to join our team and come come help with content and community building here?" Uh, I jumped right over to it. Uh, it's a super fun team, super fun product we're working on. So it's been a, a really great. Uh, now I've been here for about a year and a half, and I've learned a ton, and I'm getting to do exactly what I love, which is uh, helping e-commerce companies really grow and find success.
2: Awesome, cool. So, one of my, uh, I don't know, I keep rambling about it lately, and I used the word <laughs> ramble twice. So you can tell how much coffee I'm on uh, is content. Content is king. Um, so, before we kind of get into uh, the topic today, I kind of want to just touch on that since you've, you know, it's been such a key, integral part of your jobs. What are some tips that you can give to uh, these e commerce stores that are struggling with coming up with, like, you know, their version 1.0, their content strategy?
0: Yeah, um, I think the best place to start is to just get to know your customers, um, and you're gonna hear me say that a bunch today. It'll probably get a little bit annoying about it, but understanding what your customers need more than your product. So they came to you with some aspirational, emotional um, decision behind coming to your product. So if you're selling, um, you know, yoga pants. There's probably some aspiration on the lifestyle of yoga. They're they're likely looking to be a calmer, more centered, more flexible person. Um, if you're selling vitamins, those people are looking to be uh, healthier and more in tune with their health and. Taking care of their bodies. So you look at the reasons people are coming to in the first place. Uh, dig a little bit deeper into the emotions that are driving those reasons, and you're going to find um, just a plethora of ideas that you can create content around. Uh, I think a lot of companies get stuck on how does the content relate back to our product, and it doesn't always have to. Um, it can really just support the the larger journey that your customers are on. So, uh, how can you help them in in their bigger lifestyle outside of your products? Uh, in relation to what you're helping them with, how can you just support them with educational and entertaining content? Uh, I think that's really how you have to look at it in order to have those like good ideas come up that don't feel so you know ten steps to using this. Um, Is just Figuring out, you know, what are their big aspirational goals, and how can you help them get there through content?
2: That was the shortest and most precise answer I've heard to that, which is a good thing. <laughs> that you hit, you hit the nail on the head, and that's fantastic. And I'm probably going to refer back to this uh, when speaking about it with potential clients in the future. Awesome, awesome. So let's kind of get into it. What in the world is Churnbuster?
0: So, Churnbuster is a uh, subscription business's best defense against involuntary churn. So, we run um, really advanced follow up campaigns to recover failed payments um, using optimal retry schedules, email timing, uh, really. Integrated actions to decrease overall churn. I um, we're, we're really the only company focusing 100% on this issue. So we have applied the gold standard in these dunning practices to the top e commerce brands um, like Butcherbox and Bokksu, Um, Lola. Uh, we're really helping them kind of plug this issue uh, right away so they don't have to deal with failed payments.
2: Absolutely. So you guys definitely specialize in uh, the subscription model.
0: Yes, definitely.
2: Cool. So if you do have an amazing subscription program out there, it's probably worth checking them out. Definitely. Moving, in, moving into uh, our next topic here, though. So I've seen this term get thrown around a bit. Uh, retention-based acquisition. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I mean, I know that I have a little bit of familiarity with it, but I think that our listeners would definitely learn a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, it does sound like a bit more intense than it actually is because...
2: It sounds like a law term.
0: Yeah. Retention-based acquisition is just jam-packed with some buzzy marketing words. Um, but really, when I'm talking about this, it's it's just marketing for the long run, uh, which again, may still sound complicated, but it's not. It, it essentially means that when a company is creating acquisition campaigns and testing out channels, the goal isn't just getting a sale. The goal now is actually to find a great customer. So it's marketing with retention in mind. And and what I've really been seeing is in the early stages of growth or when e-commerce companies have a ton of investor pressure, uh, companies can really slip into this kind of churn and burn philosophy where the most important thing is sales regardless of anything past that. So they fire up a ton of channels, they bring in any and all customers they can get their hands on, eventually churning out a lot of those customers, a lot of them not ever coming back and making another purchase. Because in the initial plan, there wasn't a long-term action plan there. So when I really, really boil it down, it's just t- we're just talking about prioritization management, figuring out how to add a little bit of that retention into your acquisition channels. So focusing on your good fit, ideal customers for acquisition. Um, it's just being focused on retention from the get-go and just mixing it all together. So when you're when you're spending all this time acquiring customers, you know you're acquiring good ones.
2: Yeah, that is uh, the right way to approach it. So I'm assuming that means when you're building your strategies out, it isn't always top of the funnel. You are trying to, you know, set up some good retargeting basics, and after you actually make that sale, some touch points past that to increase that lifetime spend.
0: Yeah, definitely. So it's everything from, you know, the first touch point a customer is going to get with you. Um, are you speaking to that particular customer, your, your best customer, or are you speaking to you know, customers that, that don't come in and stay on your subscription or don't make repeat purchases? So everything from, you know, retargeting ads, really speaking to their needs. Um, the the welcome emails, the first email they get, every touch point they come into with your business, is it? providing is it helping that lifetime value grow by providing value and telling them hey we really are the company for you um, and then of course after the sale then there's all sorts of stuff you can do after that for retention
2: so why is that so important versus you know just having a really big mindset on growth and acquisition you know I'm, I'm making the sale why does it matter how I'm approaching it
0: Mhm. Um I think right now a lot of companies are are starting to realize how important customer retention really is. Uh we're seeing the cost of acquisition rising on every single channel and it's happening quickly. So companies are starting to have to look and say, you know, how can we extend the LTVs of our customer? How can we encourage more repeat purchases on those individual customers to make up for that rising cost of acquisition? So as acquisition gets so hard, um, the competition is higher, uh, you got to think, how do we keep propelling growth if the acquisition channels aren't working in the low-cost, high-efficiency manner? That solution is going to come in retention in customer LTV, uh, getting average order values extended, getting repeat purchase extended, um, getting customers on a subscription. That's really where the shift in focus has to go. Um, and you know, A lot of these brands that already have huge acquisition channels set up, um, tons of campaigns running. They're now having to, to look back and say, okay, how do we actually keep these customers on for longer? We know how to get them, but how do we extend the LTV past 2 months or 1 purchase? Uh, how can we get them on a subscription and keep them for 6-plus months? Um, how can we get them to come back and make repeat purchase after repeat purchase? Uh, So it's, it's really shifting in the industry right now. We know how to bring in customers. It's just getting expensive. So how can we bring in the best customers, the customers that are going to make it worthwhile to pay that cat cost off and still find profitability? Yes. So, you know, and if you can, if you're, you know, you can do it from go back and look at all your campaigns and do it that way. But also... As you're setting up new acquisition campaigns, then you're already ahead of the game if you're thinking about it in this light. Um, you're not going to be playing as much catch-up because really, all this is is just it's taking a pause and you're saying, okay, let's look at what we have here. What kind of customers do we have? Who is staying on for six plus months? And and what do we need to do to keep getting more of them?
2: What I'm hearing there is a lot of valuable information when it comes to. I'm going to kind of not throw a jab at performance marketing. But sometimes people are sacrificing the quality of the brand and the quality of the message just to make an extra buck. And when you go that direction, it is completely opposite of this retention-based mentality. Um, You need to be from day one thinking about keeping that customer around longer and making sure the messaging is in line and making sure it's on brand. So instead of just making that one sale, you can turn them into a lifetime customer and a fan of the brand.
0: Yeah, exactly, and and it's so huge to to be doing that from day one. So you're not playing that catch up game. Um, and, and it is tempting to just throw some money into an ad and get a bunch of customers, get a bunch of sales. And, and one thing is, it's just KPIs that people are held to. If if your marketing team is just held to sales, then it's a lot harder for them to kind of take that step back and say, "All right, what kind of sales though?" And so if we start looking at it. In this holistic view, and and saying, you know, how can we get them from the beginning and expect them to stay on for longer? Uh, that's really what what we're having to do now as CAC prices rise. It's just this shift that that we're being forced into, but uh, it's a good force because it's just it, it means we're just having to treat customers better, and that's the goal that we should all have, anyways.
2: Yeah, and I think I I am actually happy for it because it is. Causing brands to really think about their content in these ads and the creative in these ads, and they really need to stand out. Um, and that's something that I've always said since day one. All of our customers, uh, and clients that have really put a good effort into creating amazing content, are the ones that actually are succeeding now. That you know, you can't put a dollar into Facebook and make ten anymore without trying really hard. And I remember the golden days where you could yep. put up a terrible. Terrible ad and it would convert. Uh, You know, it's just, it's different now. Facebook isn't performing like it used to. And you really need to think about everything you're saying and making sure that you're creative and your messaging is on point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Because, you know, Consumers are getting more and more used to buying online, which is great. But it also means they're getting more and more used to being sold to online. So just a, a crappy ad is not going to get customers like it used to. Customers are looking for experience and they're looking to connect to the brands they buy from uh, because there are so many brands. So you do have to stand out from the, the very get-go. And I agree. Like I love this shift. Um, I think it's a great thing that the industry has been forced into because it means that brands have to be more creative and they have to uh, really like hold true to their values and have a mission and have care behind what they sell and who they sell it to and i think that's that's what the best companies out there are already doing so seeing smaller brands kind of be pushed into this is really exciting
2: yeah
1: support for our podcast comes from our friends at simpler a new way to staff 24 7 sales and customer service on your e commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so, setup is quick and easy.
2: Simpler's network of on demand, US based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums.
1: Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists.
2: Start your free 7-day trial at ai/honest. That's simpl l r. ai/honest. And you just said there's so much competition. I want to talk about that. There is a ton of competition. Uh, it, just for example, say you have a small brand that sells... Uh, I always use shoes. So I'm going to do that again. <laughs> uh, what's the difference between them buying uh, that product from you and then buying it from Amazon? And the difference is having a brand behind it, having content behind it, telling a story, and that is more value to a customer than just the need that uh, buying on Amazon fulfills. Uh, So that's what you need to consider here is creating this content, telling an amazing story, be focused on winning a customer and winning a fan of your brand, as opposed to just making that sale.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. Because Amazon... I mean, you're never going to beat Amazon on... uh easiness of purchase and uh, shipping and just you know what you go to Amazon for. You can search it, buy it in one click, and it shows up at your door in a day or two. You're never going to match that. But what you can compete on is the personalization, the experience behind the purchase. Um, if it's just a, a pair of shoes that they can go buy on Amazon... Then it's just a pair of shoes, but if if your shoes that you're selling have a story and a mission that that the customers are connecting with and they want to engage with and they want to support, then you've got something so much bigger, and and Amazon can't compete with that. And that's kind of what you have to do to stand out from from the behemoth that is Amazon right now.
2: So, do you have any examples of brands that you see out there that are kind of following this model?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, BarkBox is one that I, I always reference because if you go through any of their, their marketing collateral, their um, ads, their social feeds, their blogs, everything, they know who their customers are. Uh, They're talking to exactly the people who want their stuff, which is uh, you know people exactly like me who have dogs and are obsessed with their dogs and will do anything for their dogs. Um They, if you go and look at all their stuff, they know exactly what they're doing. They're marketing for the best people, and they're not marketing to, uh, you know, there's probably age age groups that they're not marketing to because they're not caring about getting a box of toys for their dogs every month. Um, Just you can see it in all of their stuff. Uh, Another one is Casper. They do a really good job of this. Um, I, I mean, some of their Twitter ads that I've seen recently are so simplistic. That it's just a, a puppy on the mattress, and it says, "Don't let us convince you to buy Casper. Let this puppy do it." Um, something as simple as that, but it's it's just proof that they know their customers because you look at the comments underneath that ad, and they're like, there's like forty five retweets of an ad, and all these comments of people saying like, "Oh, I love the mattress, and I love you guys. This is so funny." Um, they they know their customers because their customers are responding to their ad, so they know. What kind of things are going to drive people to them? I mean, I saw it and I was like, "Hmm, maybe I need a new mattress because that's adorable. Um, It it works. They they know just... Small details about their customers' lives and small details about what they want and what they react to, and so they're able to put that into their into their marketing.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'm sold on this idea. I wanna I wanna get this implemented within my business. What are the What are the next steps I can take uh, to make improvements to what we're doing?
0: Yeah, so um, the first thing is kind of just a step back action. Um, Before we get really into like creating new stuff and editing stuff for retention, uh, you have to take a step back and, and get to know your customers. Uh, like I said, I'm going to say that a lot. Uh, if you don't already know your customers, then you kind of have a lot of work to do. Uh, you'd be surprised by how many companies that I've seen who uh, never really get to know their customers. They never really establish buyer personas before they they embark on a new acquisition channel. So this is really where where we have to pause and think about retention. So the first step is going to be to get to know your, your best-fitting customers. So these are the, the VIP customers, your most successful ones, uh, the ones that post about you on social media. They've been subscribed to your subscription for a year or two years. They've bought five items from your, your brand in the last year. They've talked to your support team. They've had a great experience. They love your brand, all this stuff. These are the customers that are going to help shape your retention-based acquisition channels. So, so we really got to get to know them. Um, you know what? What characteristics define these type of customers? What are their goals? What are their daily lives like? Uh, what are their interests? What bigger problems are they looking to solve? Uh, how do they hear about you? What have they bought from you? How have they interacted with your brand? And and really, most importantly, what in their experience made them so loyal to your brand? So uh, it, to kind of to kind of find these. Um, You can start by going through those VIP customers, uh, send them a survey with an incentive like, hey, we'd love to just uh, send you this survey. We'll give you a free product or a discount on any product you want. Um, And then you can gather insights that way from them directly. Uh, You can also look at your site data to kind of understand the journey. Uh, Go through social media channels and see the people who are commenting. What are they saying? And you're just qualitatively collecting, uh, you know, quote unquote data On these customers and and their behaviors as they interact with your brand. So, you want to be able to answer all these questions and then uh, start going through and find the commonalities between the customers. Uh, Be it the experience they went through, uh, their characteristics, uh, a mix of all those things. You want to figure out what these VIP customers have in common. And then, from there, hone in on those characteristics to start creating your best fitting customer buyer personas. Um, and there's probably going to be multiple of them, but you just want to create these personas of these are the people who, uh, love our brand, love our products, and they get it right away and they stay for a long time. Um, so you want to make sure those are extremely detailed. Uh, like you want to feel like, you know, um, Jane from Boise, Idaho, who has been buying your coffee for three years. Uh, you you want to feel like you know her. You know her hopes and dreams. You understand her motivations, uh, the inspirations, and the issues in her life that she's dealing with. So really making them feel real. And then uh, now that you've kind of got all the best fitting stuff mapped out, uh, we got to take it one more step before we get into that action. And, and this one's really big because I haven't seen many companies really taking the time to go to this step. And, and this is going to be doing the same practice we just did with best-fitting customers, but doing it for your worst customers. Uh, because you know, no matter how great your products are, how seamless your subscription is, um, how much your customers are engaged, all that, there's always going to be someone who's just not going to find value in your product, uh, who's going to buy one and they don't love it, or they enter your subscription and they cancel on month two. And, and that's just going to happen. There's always a level of churn that's uncontrollable because we're selling products to human beings. So our job is to figure out who the bad-fitting customers are, who are the people who aren't finding that value in the product, uh, who aren't connecting with you as a brand. And You're, you're going to be able to find a lot of these customers probably in support channels, uh, asking a lot of questions, complaining, asking for discounts, um, you know which customers bought one product and then never again engaged with your customer, uh, that's a good place to find these bad fit customers. And then uh, just like we did with good fitting customers, you're going to gather that data, try to figure out the common characteristics of these people to create then your bad fitting customer personas. So, you know what what characteristics do you see in common? Uh, when did they churn out on the subscription? Uh, did they give a cancellation reason after a single per- purchase? What actions did they take or or not take? Um, what expectations did they come in with? How did they find out about you? Why did they choose you? Um, did they go to another company? Are they getting their vitamins elsewhere? Or did they lose interest in the product altogether and stop using vitamins? Um, all these kind of questions that you need to figure out, you know, why, what it is about them that makes it not a good fit for your product. Um, and, and this is where a lot of times companies and have to be able to... Take a step back and really separate uh, the personal stance from the business stance. Uh, it's, it's really easy to kind of blame the customers to say, uh, you know, they didn't do this, they didn't uh, click on this link after they bought, they didn't open our email, they didn't follow us on social media. Of course, they're not going to get incorporated with the brand. Um, but, but what it really is is that there's there's more likely something in their lives and their characteristics and their actions that just doesn't match with your brand. And, and that's okay. You just want to be able to start figuring out what that is so you stop marketing to them. Um, but really simply put, you shouldn't try to be helping people who don't need your help. Uh, or trying to sell products to people who don't want your products. Um, so that's really the first step. And it's not the most exciting step. but It's not a bunch of action stuff. But uh, is getting to know your customers, both the best ones and the worst ones, so that you have basically uh, a North Star to guide you uh, into all your creation of the campaigns.
2: Absolutely. And I want to talk about creating those customer personas for your bad customers real quick. That's something that a lot of people don't do. Mm -hmm. A. Because it's more work. But B. Because they're like, Why is that helpful? Well, right now, I'll tell you the reason. It's because you can exclude those people from seeing your Facebook ads and then drastically lower your cost of acquisition.
0: Yep. Exactly.
2: So that's why you do it. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for being uh, on the show today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience?
0: Um, no, I don't think so. I think that's all. Um, if anybody has any questions about churnbuster or this um, crazy topic of retention-based acquisition, um, you can send me a direct email at kristen@churnbuster.io at or follow me on Twitter. Uh, I tweet a bunch of stuff about this e-commerce retention and everything. Um, that's at Kristen D. Lafrance.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, thank you.
2: We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io connect.
1: Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.